welcome to Broadcast Dialogue, the podcast. I'm Connie Thiessen. Earlier this month, the Canadian Association of Journalists elected its new executive that saw Brent Jolly inherit the organization's presidency at what might arguably be one of the most turbulent periods for media in CAJ history. With pandemic media layoffs now in the thousands, he also comes into the position as journalism finds its credibility under attack and press freedoms under pressure. On this episode of Broadcast Dialogue, the podcast, we talk about the COVID-19 media impact map, broken business models, and the road ahead for Canadian journalism. My name is Brent Jolly, and I'm currently the president the Canadian Association of Journalists, recently elected and selected by uh, our board to serve as president for the next two years. I've worked as the VP and vice president for the CAJ for a little while, for the past year and a bit. Um, And before that, I also just served as a regular board of director member, you know, a director on the board. So, uh, so that's been a growth and, and I've really enjoyed my time with the CAJ because I think that it's really showed the, the, the need and the importance of journalists sticking together um, in tough times like we've been going through for the last, well, you know, the last decade, I guess it's been. But professionally, I also work as a director with the National News Media Council, which is the industry self-regulatory organization for newspapers, digital news media organization, periodicals. And, and we also work with student newspapers, academic institutions to address reader complaints and also to further news literacy education. But before I worked as a reporter and an editor uh, with a bunch of different outlets and also freelance, I uh, worked with Yahoo News. Uh, I started off as a business reporter with investment executive. And, uh, you know, like many, after graduating from Carleton with my undergrad, uh, in journalism, you know, you do the internship circuit and trying to find your find your way, and definitely uh, business was the way that I went. And uh, I think that that I hope that that's that's paid some solid dividends so far. So you're coming into the president's position in a really tumultuous time, and you've had a front row seat to that. Also working with the news media council. Do you want to do you want to talk about I mean you've only been on the job for a few weeks now but do you want to talk about what it's like to sort of inherit that position in the current Yeah world? well for sure and I think I mean I think what the the general thing that we've seen I mean I started ironically at the media council right around the time that you know all of the discussions of fake news and and lack of trust and all of these kind of discussions started happening in the United States in particular. Um, so it's been kind of an interesting crescendo over the course of the last four and a bit years. I think overall what we've, what we've seen is that, you know, writ large that, you know, there isn't so much of a readership problem for journalism. It's very much a business model problem. And what the pandemic especially has, has really reinforced is that, you know, there, people are very, very interested and depend a lot and seek out quality journalism, uh, especially in a time of crisis. That said, uh, of course, you know, some of the projects that we've been undertaking at the CAJ emphasize the, the challenges that come with, you know, <laughs> uh, l- lack of advertising, uh, changing business models. Um, and that, I think, is shown out through example through some of the, the projects we've taken, like the media impact map also and some of the you know some of the things that we're also thinking about in the future about press freedom and and things like that so 
Uh, I think that right now is, and I'm, I'm sure everybody would agree, you know, that this is a real critical time where we need to really band together as, as journalists for, for the strength of our industry. So the reason I wanted to have you on primarily was to talk about the current media landscape. I don't think we can quite say post-pandemic, but, uh, you know, let's talk about the Media Impact Map project uh, that the CAJ is part of. Well, yeah, we came came to this idea with, in partnership with April Lindgren at Ryerson University and also with uh, Jay Source. And what we had heard is that, you know, as soon as the pandemic started to really, you know, mellow out and, and, and have its effects felt across the country. You know, we heard of a lot of, a lot of people either losing their job as, as reporters, editors, cameramen, you know, all those, you know, editorial type positions. And we were trying to figure out, you know, how do we, how do we document this? How do we show the impact that, that all of this is happening? And I think it's not just to show, you know, the, the necessary, you know, the pitfalls of, of an industry in a time of change, but also, you know, to make sure that, you know, for the organizations that said, you know, that these were temporary layoffs and things like that, to make sure that, that there is that accountability mechanism afterwards to say that, you know, that this was, a, this was a moment in time and hopefully that things will be restored to where they were before. So it's very much a snapshot um, of, of where we are and, and the impacts that we've had and felt throughout the pandemic. So what we did is we, you know, went through series of of press releases and things like that that had been issued by news organizations, you know, describing changes and things like that that were happening. And we also opened it up to some crowdsourcing opportunities as well. So if uh, if a reporter with, you know, a news outlet in, in Atlantic Canada, you know, was laid off or or you know, their, their hours were cut. There was the opportunity for them to submit a query. And so we would, that would go into sort of a centralized database and we would do some investigation on it to sort of see and try and gauge the impact of what that is and verify as well. Because, I mean, I think that's ultimately what, what journalists are very good at doing is, you know, confirming and verifying. So uh, we wanted to make sure that it was accurate in that way. You know, we know that it's, it's, it's not complete by by any stretch of the imagination because there's a lot of you know labor situations that that haven't been publicly announced um but i think it does give us a really good first glance at, at where things are right now and the impact that we felt in the industry during the pandemic so let's talk about what those numbers are and and can you tell me anecdotally does it seem like one area is being impacted more than another let's say print versus radio or television or digital yeah i i i do think well in in broad brushstrokes i think that what the map does show is that there's an across the board impact the pandemic has had an impact and i mean this isn't you know ultimately all that scientific it's pretty pretty understandable but it's had a significant impact on a lot of different, on all different um, platforms and, and, and verticals. So that's, that's sort of one thing. But what we have noticed is there has been a significant impact for, for broadcast outlets and also f- especially for community newspapers that rely a lot on uh, community advertising and local advertising. You know, people during the pandemic, they're not looking to go out and, and buy a new car or to have that extra discretionary income. You know, they're looking at trying to save uh, and make sure and, and sort of batten down the hatches and wait, wait this thing out for lack of a better expression. And ultimately that has, a, that has a significant impact on the bottom line. And so, 
you know, while the government has made efforts to to sort of ease some of those tensions on the part of, of publishers and news outlets, you know, it's it's this is a this is an unparalleled time, and I'm not sure how how the long term impact of this will play out. So I do think that is something that's really concerning for 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 journalists and and for news organizations and the public over the long term. So I know at the end of April, the numbers were sort of moving in on the 2100 mark, and I think 78 outlets had closed permanently. (laughs) Can you update those figures? That's probably where we have right now. We usually do an update every couple of weeks. So we haven't heard much more. I mean, we still have the global, the chorus layoffs, the global news uh, in the lifestyle predominantly and entertainment sectors that were announced last week. And then we still get a couple, you know, odds and ends, uh, small batches of layoffs as we go along. But but we're going to be sending out an update pretty soon on that. So uh, stay tuned. (laughs) We're just a few months into this. And I mean, we've seen some of the quarterly reports. Rogers, for example, 50% drop in media revenue this past quarter. Do you expect that we're going to continue to see more layoffs? You know, I think that the trends, if I have a, if my crystal ball were here and I looked into it deeply, I think that we would, uh, you know, that there'll probably be more. Uh, I agree with you, uh, just by virtue of understanding how the industry works and understanding the constraint that a lot of news organizations are under these days. It's a sad reality, unfortunately, but it's one where, you know, journalists are ultimately one of the, one of the first, you know, the first groups covered and impacted by these kind of, these constraints and limitations. So uh, I'm going to, I'm going to be optimistic and have my fingers crossed, but I'm not completely, you know, willing to say that there, there won't be more layoffs for sure. Are you optimistic about the opportunities that this could present. We have a bunch of journalists who've been caught up in these layoffs who are now doing their own online startups. And we've also had a group of young journalists who are just coming into this media climate who've started a long form site called The Pigeon, and we're going to have them on the podcast next week. Are you encouraged at all that some innovation could, could come out of all of this? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Completely. I do believe that at the end of the day, you know, that, that, that there is the demand for, for quality journalism and, and insightful opinions. And I think we've, you know, experienced these challenges before, you know, when the internet was first created and, you know, and, and really started to take over the, the online news environment. And just the same as we're dealing with now with, you know, social networks and technology platforms and, and all of that. So I am, I am quite bullish on you know, the future of innovation. I do know that there are a lot of people out there who are especially journalists themselves who are, who are trying to cover off some of the losses that have already been incurred. And so I'm very confident in that. I know, you know, for example, even just there's a online uh, opinion organization, you know, called The Line that started up earlier this week, you know, that aggregates some uh, different opinion columnists. And, you know, so I think that there's a real, there's a real opportunity there for, for innovation and ingenuity. So I'm definitely very confident in, the, in that area for sure. So moving on to other issues that the CAJ is involved with, I hate to use the word unprecedented, but, yeah. you know, there were a couple of assaults or interactions with journalists at anti-mask protests in Montreal and Quebec City last weekend. 
And, and I want to talk about the current climate for media who are out there right now. I can't remember a time in my 25 years as a journalist where the climate was so unfriendly. Yeah, yeah, it's true. I know what you mean. The, the, the antipathy towards media is, is just being magnified by a lot of the, you know, a lot of the political division that we're seeing and the identity politics. It's, it's very discouraging. And I think what you saw on the weekend in, in Montreal and Quebec City was part and parcel of that. I know the guy, the, the man who, one of the men who, who hugged the reporter there said that, you know, he had no ill will about it and that he didn't mean, mean bad by it. But, you know, in, in, the, in the climate we're in where, you know, there's a public health emergency, I mean, that's just, just silly to be behaving that way. And uh, no journalist should have to be, you know, have their self-security, you know, become under threat because of people just behaving like like they have no mind or they're not thinking you know there needs to be a shift in that and i think the idea of press freedom for for journalists right now is is a crucial issue that we're seeing you know whether it's around the world we're talking about you know at a high level you know what's going on with maria ressa in the philippines uh you know journalists in south america in in south africa i think there's there's just a huge antipathy towards the work of journalists. And on one hand, I think that means that we're doing a good job overall, because we are being critical and and holding people in power to account. But at the same time, there's that level of frustration in terms of the public, sometimes not understanding what the role of the journalist is in a a free and democratic society. I think there's sort of been an interesting contrast going on in that there seems to be this undercurrent of distrust of mainstream media, but at the same time, legitimate independent media, you see situations uh, like the Wet'suwet'en protests where clearly the RCMP were targeting independent journalists who probably don't have a lot of backing behind them Mm -hmm. financially to be able to fight a heavy legal challenge. I don't know where I'm going with this question, Brent. I just, you know, as a media observer, I find this to be an interesting contrast. Oh, absolutely. Well, well, this is stuff that we see at the media council and at the CHA level. You know, we see even at the at the community level, we hear journalists not who aren't affiliated with a major news organization, you know, being barred by uh, city officials from attending, you know, public hearings, from committee meetings, uh, from all of these kind of basic you know, accountability mechanisms that are, that exist in the public uh, in plain sight for journalists that they have never had a problem with, but that, you know, because of the, the, the challenges and the, the, you know, erosion of sort of some of the mainstream structures and legacy news organizations, we're seeing, you know, these, these city officials, you know, exercise even more uh, throwing their weight around a little bit more to try and control the message and to, uh, divide between you know who's a journalist and who's not, um, and so I find that very troubling, and that's happening in a lot of communities I know in in southern Ontario that that I hear from quite often, and I think that that's something that we need to really start to to push back on for sure. So, do you have any advice for young journalists out there coming into this climate, and is the CAJ you know working on any initiatives on that front? Yeah, thank you for asking. That's. Well, one of the things that we're working on right now is the mentorship program, because, you know, I think that 
in professional development is a, is a huge challenge during the pandemic. Uh, on one hand, there's you know webinars galore that are available from around the world, but also at the same time, we're seeing a lot of you know Zoom fatigue on the part of on the part of individuals, and they just sort of want to tune out uh, at the end of the day. And I, I and I think I think that's a very concerning concerning trend because. You know, for journalists, it keeps me up at night sometimes thinking about how do we how do we deliver the services to make sure that we're providing journalists with a solid base of education and professional development, but not at the same time overloading them, you know, that there's already this, this fatigue that comes in when you're, you know, divided between personal and professional boundaries because you're working at home or just the nonstop news cycle of what's going on right now, because there are fewer and fewer journalists in newsrooms across the country. So... One of the ways we've really thought about and, and dissected the idea of professional development is for, for young journalists in, in, in terms of mentorship. So that's something that we're going to be coming out with very shortly. We've got uh, a really, you know, it's our first time that we've tried doing this in a while. It's a, it's a recast of, you know, some of the best practices that we've learned from, from what other organizations have done. And, and I think that's a real positive step in the right direction and something that we need to do more of and, and that we will do more of because, I feel that young journalists right now, that there's such a demand for that. Every every time I sit down, you know, pre-pandemic, you'd have coffee with somebody and pull up a chair for an hour, or even now, you know, just going back and forth on email or DMing on Twitter. You know, this is the this is the thing. And mentorship also doesn't necessarily only need to be for young journalists either. I think that there's there's a significant gap as well for journalists who are early, early in entering into their mid-career, you know, who have been around for five or six years, but maybe who have been working by themselves or in a very small newsroom for a while. And, and they don't have that day-to-day -day interaction with a lot of, a lot of people to say, Hey, what do you think about this? Or, you know, how does this lead sound? Or I want to, I want to try and change something about how I, you know, my writing style. So I think that that's, that's a really big piece and something the CHA is really working on and, and looking forward to introducing um, in the next couple of weeks. I mean, the other thing also is, is how do we help freelancers? This is a difficult time. And I understand I've had a lot of discussions with freelancers about challenges around mental health and also those who have recently lost their jobs as well. You know, that how do we, how do we continue now that, you know, when these layoffs happen, how do we continue to offer services and support to show that, you know, that, that these people have a backing, you know, that the CAJ is there for them and that we want to help. And I think that that's something that I really look forward to having more conversations with people about. I know it's, it's difficult and, and it can be challenging, but at the end of the day, I think I'm really concerned about it. Uh, and I'm really concerned about the well-being of our members in these really challenging times and what it means ultimately for the future of our industry, because, I think the worst thing that can happen is that journalists perhaps tune out and say, well, I, you know, there, there are easier ways to make a living and that, that this isn't the right way for them. And, and that really troubles me. So I think that if there's any way we can, can help, you know, just in terms of being there for, for folks, uh, we're going to do it. Do you have a closing thought, Brent? I just think at the end of the day that, you know, we need to, I think we might've reached the, the limits what the pandemic has taught us. Well, two things I'll say. One is that I think we've reached the limits of the sort of do more with less mentality. I think that, you know, we're getting into the area where I wonder about what stories don't get covered because people are burned out or they're too busy following, you know, what's going on on Twitter or following, you know, there's this, this press conference followed by that press conference. I mean, I just, 
I worry that at the end of the day, we're not, we're not thinking enough and taking that time to be able to, you know, think through things because there is this constant pressure to, to publish and to, and to be, you know, to, to continue to unearth stories and that maybe we're, that maybe there's some things we're missing, you know, in terms of investigative work or just, you know, talking to sources and, and gathering information. You know, I think that we've seen this in cases like with, during the pandemic with long-term care homes or temporary foreign workers, for example. Those are just a couple of, of areas that come to mind. The other thing I think also that I would take out of this time from the pandemic that has me thinking a lot is about our information architecture writ large and, and, and how that needs to be fixed. I think that you know, while news organizations have codes of conduct and ethical standards to abide by, the same can't be said for, you know, people who pontificate on Twitter. There isn't a, a balance there. And I think that we really need to think about how, how we consume information and how we evaluate the trustworthiness and the public value of, of different sources of information. And that's that's a much bigger question, of course. But I think something that will hold will hold with us as we approach, you know, the new normal and uh, and something some semblances of normalcy in the future. Our thanks to CAJ President Brent Jolly for Broadcast Dialogue, the podcast. I'm Connie Teeson. listening to Broadcast Dialogue. For more information about the podcast or to receive exclusive access to our weekly briefing about the Canadian media industry, visit us at broadcastdialogue.com. Don't forget to like us on Facebook, connect with us on LinkedIn and follow us on Twitter and SoundCloud. Looking to make the most out of this life and optimize your personal wellness? Then check out the Natural Man Podcast. Join me, host Mike C, as we explore all areas of human wellness, physical, mental, and emotional. Learn strategies to optimize your own well-being and be in the driver's seat of your own health. Remember, your doctor works for you. Learn biohacks, neurohacks, ways to improve sleep, and ways to optimize your body and your mind. Check us out on Apple, Spotify, the Fountain app, and at naturalmanpodcast.com.